Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. Purpose of this podcast is to get to the real deal of what really works, and most importantly, why it works. Hence the name, There's a Method to the Madness. I want to first thank our sponsors because without them, can't really afford to put on this program, so I'm very grateful to them. And our first one is Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 285 star reviews on Zillow. They are true professionals in the field. Jonathan has a degree in real estate from Florida State University and Lynn has a master's in business administration. So when you're true pros, it really helps you do what you do. And in this market, which is slowing down, I believe you need true professionals. They can be reached at 386-451-2412. All right. So as I'm working in my latest book that I'm hoping to have complete by the end of this year, and um, it's it's all about the value of personal training and getting in better shape and how to help people actually do that because, you know, that's a big mystery, right? I mean, we're, uh, we don't seem to be trending in the right direction as far as a country goes, as far as the world goes. And I got to a section where I was actually talking about behavior change and I realized, you know, this is really something I need to put out in a podcast. So I'm going to talk about the stages of change today and most importantly, I'm attacking this because one of the more common questions I get, and it's not really a question as much as it is a statement on people's minds. It's it's frustrating for people. So in a way, they're kind of asking a question, not realizing it, and maybe that's why they're broaching the subject, but it comes up a lot. And that is like, how do we change other people or how do we deal with with the frustrations we feel when we want people to be different than they are, right? So I'm going to talk about that. Like I'm going to talk about what you can control if you're that person. Um, yeah, and really to you, I was going to say to the other person that you want to change, you know, here are the tips, but you know, I'm not because they're not listening. And the, the sooner you realize that, the, the happier everybody will be. So I, it's not really targeted to them because they're not most likely tuning into the podcast. So, you know, it's the people who are very passionate about their own health and fitness or change. And, uh, you know, then they want everybody to jump on board. And so I'm going to talk about like what we know in the social science world of how that exactly works. And I'll start with way back when I was a psychology major at the University of Central Florida, and that's what I got my first degree in. And one of my electives I took was called Human Motivation. And I thought, wow, this is this is a cool class. Like, I'm looking forward to taking it. And one of the instructors in my program was Dr. Fisher, and he was teaching the course, and I was excited because I'd had him for two other courses in the social psychology area. And I really liked them. And uh, so, you know, a lot of reason to take the course. Glad I took the course, but it's just kind of a funny story. When I 
went in the very first day and we all sat down and he wrote on the board human motivation and we're staring at it. And then, then he comes up and he writes, you can't motivate anybody. And he puts this big exclamation part point. And this is when we had, you know, chalkboards still. And I had a friend in the class. We kind of looked at each other like, well, <laughs> why are we here? Like, what's the point? And, um, you know, he kind of like stayed with that point the entire semester. In other words, like, what are we really trying to motivate? And it should be ourselves or to understand our own motivations. But never did he change that belief he had, which is you can't motivate another human being. So we have to pretty much start there. And like, if you've ever been in a family or close relationships with people with substance abuse problems, it's very similar. You can't get somebody to quit drinking if they don't want to stop drinking. So like it has to be their motivation. And then the dysfunction gets increased when we're trying to change them. Like there's already dysfunction in the sense that somebody has a substance abuse issue and it becomes worse when the other person is trying to change them rather than look out for their own sanity or do what they need to do what's best for themselves or the rest of the family. And, you know, there are rooms full of people like that. And that is called, um, Al-Anon. Boy, I drew a blank. It's called Al-Anon. So it's a, you know, it's meetings for people who have people in recovery. So, you know, how do we deal with our own behavior because we can't change that person. And I don't mean to belabor this point, but I do think it's important to make points and maybe even some funny stories so we can laugh at ourselves a little bit. So I'll tell one more of those before I get to the behavior change of uh, physical fitness. Um, I read in this book once, it was pretty funny where it was, you know, obviously a parody, but the lady goes, it was a lady, she goes to a psychologist and says, you know, I've got all these problems. And says, so what's your problem? Says, well, my husband is an alcoholic. And she said, and he says, okay, so like, let me tell you what alcoholics do. And then we're, we're going to confirm whether or not he's an alcoholic. And she said, okay, I'll play along with this game. So, you know, alcoholics drink too much. Yes. You know that? Yes. Yes. I know that. Okay. Alcoholics, uh, behavior changes when they drink. Yep. Yep. I know that. Alcoholics like spend more money than they have. Yep. 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 Alcoholics can become verbally abusive. Yes, yes, yes. Sadly, alcoholics can even become physically abusive. Yes, yes, I know that. So he looked at her, he says, so you know, like, that's what an alcoholic does. And she says, yes. And it says, and you know that your husband does those things or some of those things, so therefore he's an alcoholic. And she said, yes. And then the psychologist looked at her, he said, so who's got the problem, him or you? So in other words, like, she knows what he is, and she was sticking with it. So, you know, I always found that to be a pretty funny story in that. Um, and, and it makes it a great point. So when it comes to physical fitness, we can't change anybody. I mean, it, it's, it's not going to happen. And the experts in social psychology have been using the stages of change behavior model for many, many years. It was first used to help people stop smoking. And then 
it was grabbed by the physical fitness social scientists who said, okay, so like, how can we explain behavior change? And if you're aware of that, then there's maybe some, you know, and I don't want to sound contradictory because you can't change somebody. But like, if you understand how people change, then maybe you can help. And I know that does sound contradictory, but hopefully after I explain this, it won't. So there's six stages of behavior change and they're, they're not permanent. Like all of these are elusive and you grow from one to the next. And the first stage of behavior change isn't actually any change at all. And it's called pre-contemplation. Pre-contemplation means you're not thinking about change. You don't feel like you have any problems. You know, you're that guy, sorry guys, you're more likely to fall into this example, but you're that guy who's 50 pounds overweight, you got a huge beer belly, and you're grabbing it at the beach and you're proud of it and you're laughing about it. You're that guy, right? So that's pre-contemplation. You're like, I ain't going to change. I I had no problem with this. My uncle lived till he was 99 years old and he was obese and he drank beer all day. It's like, okay, so you're that guy. You're pre-contemplation. So if we're involved in any way, shape, or form with somebody like that, and that includes me as a trainer, which I wouldn't be, but you know, the point is, is if we know any of them, and what I mean by that is I wouldn't, I could know them personally, but they wouldn't be in my shop, right? If they had no desire to change. So you don't do anything. There's, there's nothing you can do. There's not a, a thing in the world that's going to change that person's mind. Now, there's also such a thing called the health belief model, health belief model. And what that states is that when a person gets a health scare, they become a little more likely to change their behavior. So obviously not that you wish for that or whatever, but like that might be the only thing that changes that mindset that I just went over. Now, the next stage is what we call contemplation. So from pre-contemplation, we go to contemplation. Contemplation means that the person knows they have a problem, whether it be they drink too much, they eat too much, they don't exercise. They know it. They absolutely know it. They don't deny it. They're not in denial. They absolutely will look at you and go, yeah, I know this is an issue. Now, they're also at that point when you say, so what are you going to do about it? They say, I don't know, but eventually I need to do something. So that's what we call contemplation. So they're contemplating that they have a problem. They're contemplating that they're going to do something about it. Now, research shows that people in my field can then like further educate, like not forcefully because you're not going to change somebody's mind, but like further educate, like the pros, the solutions to their problem, like give them flyers on what somebody can do if they start eating a nutrient dense diet, then they might drop a significant amount of weight. You know, research shows that if you drop 10 pounds, you can lower your systolic blood pressure by six millimeters of mercury. Okay. That's good. Six points. So like you give that information, that's like all you can do as a supporter, right? Not forcefully, it's not going to work. And typically we're not in that situation here either. Like we don't have the contemplators either. I mean, they're not ready yet. So, you know, we're not going to waste our time or their time with trying to convince them. So this is more like people are 
you know, they know they have an issue and they see some literature laying around, they might pick it up. So the ultimate objective is to get the person to the next stage all the time, right? And you have very little, basically have no control of getting a pre-contemplator to a contemplator. But a contemplator, there's a chance, right? Because they at least admit there's a problem so they can get to the next stage, which is what we call the preparation stage. The preparation stage is a little bit further along the line than contemplation. It means they know there's a problem, but they also plan on doing something about it. And the exact definition of they're going to do something about it in the next 30 days. So like they have or they're getting a plan in place. So they no longer go, I don't know what I'm going to do. Eventually, I need to change. They don't do that anymore. They go, no, I'm looking at gyms and um, I found this one down the road and they have some personal training. So I've already called and, you know, I'm going to start next week. So that that's in that preparation stage. And the preparation stage is a very valuable time frame for them and for people that care about them. And there, more information, more education can be given. So like assessments also work in that stage. Like if they, if they're in that preparation stage where they're getting ready to get ready basically, and then they go in and they get, uh, their, their, uh, gym, you know, they look around, they do a consultation. And if, uh, a smart trainer or whatever does some form of an assessment and points out like where they're at and what they can do, that's more likely to get them going. So studies show that like good assessments, more facts, more information, got to be facts, like very important that you don't give opinions when people are in the contemplation or preparation stage, you know, got to be careful with opinions, you know, they're, they're not valuable, they're not, most people are too smart for opinions, especially when it comes to things that they're resistant about, like, I mean, just think politics, right? I mean, people have all these opinions, and most of them are completely ludicrous, right? Like, Probably most people know very, very little about what they're talking about when it comes to government and politics, yet they spew their opinions, both sides, all sides, whatever, just the nature of the beast. And as you know, the resistance to that is huge. People don't like other people's opinions, especially when it doesn't agree with their own. So you don't give opinion, you give facts, you know. So, uh, you know, exercise decreases the risk of all-cause mortality. That's a fact. I mean, that can be looked up. That can be shown. So like little things like that, it's not little, obviously that's huge, but those are facts. So we want to roll them from preparation into the action stage. And the action stage means they're doing what they need to do for behavior change. So in the case back to uh, substance abuse, if a person has been going to say AA for three or four months and they're sober, they're in the action stage. That's great. They're doing all that they should be doing. Key is they just haven't done it long enough yet. So the action stage is that person who is going to the gym three times a week and then they're walking or jogging the other three days a week and they're, they've changed their diet. They're on a new meal plan. So that's like they're doing it, which is awesome. Like we want to get people from preparation to action. And I should say we want to help them get there. And we help again by by giving facts, data, assessments, in my case, um, support and facts in the case of a loved one or whatever, but you can't push or motivate. So action is also the time frame though, when there's the most relapse in all of it, in, in drinking, smoking, overeating, not exercising, the most relapse happens, happens in that stage. And you probably can see it, I see it all the time. Like when I have somebody start up 
Um, I don't take as many new clients as I used to because we're full, but back when I was growing my business and we were taking clients, you know, I don't know, a couple of week or something, you know, I would see it all the time. I'd say to a trainer, I'd say, you know, this guy's going to burn out. You know, he's coming in all piss and vinegar and, you know, doing more than we're telling him to do. And he's Mr. You know, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And that's always a huge red flag for us in the field to go, okay, he's Mr. All or Nothing right here. And it's going to be very hard to keep this dude motivated after a couple months. Like he's going to unmotivate himself because he's setting up unrealistic expectations and blah, blah, blah. You know, so in our industry, we used to see that a lot, but even people who get off to the correct start, right, and are doing the right thing, it's still a very vulnerable time for relapse. So what we know in our field is to continue to challenge that person, to continue to set new goals, because a lot of times people set goals like, oh, I'm going to be ready for my daughter's wedding, or I'm going to, you know, be ready for this. I'm going to be ready for my high school reunion. And then that comes and goes and they quit. It's like, well, that motivation wasn't very deep. So we need to set new goals during the action stage. You know, new goals should be set maybe every six weeks. And that will get somebody where we ultimately want them, which is maintenance. Maintenance means they took action to a new level. I mean, they're not doing anything more, but they're doing it longer. Maintenance is defined as somebody that's been doing their new lifestyle for six months or more. That is ultimately where we want everybody. I mean, in, our, in the health and fitness field, like me, like that's ultimately where we want the country. Like we want everybody to get into that maintenance stage of doing the right activities and eating well. Like we want everybody to get there. And the cool thing about maintenance is there's not a very good likelihood of relapse. There's not. You're pretty solid once you get there. The research shows that the only way to fall out of that is if there's a major life change. Somebody moves, somebody gets sick, lose your job, divorce. Major life change might throw the person for a loop where they kind of end up giving up on everything, you know. And that does happen, but that's a lot more rare than people relapsing in the action stage. And then the last stage is relapse. And we don't want that, but it occurs. And if it does... That means the person basically landed in any of the previous five stages. They could fall all the way back to pre-contemplation and be like, oh, well, I tried. It worked for a while. It doesn't work anymore. I'm out of here. Um, I have no idea why my watch just went off. Apologize for that. And they just quit and say the hell with it. They could fall back into contemplation. We're like, yeah, I know I got to get back to this. They can fall back in the preparation. Say, yeah, I'm going to look at some new options this time, you know. Uh, you know, they can maybe fall right back into action and just get right back on that horse. You know, it's probably would be the ideal thing, but we don't know. They could, they can land basically anywhere with that. And of course, as professionals, we try to prevent that. So that's what we, that's how we think about it as professionals. And I think you who want these people to change, I think the only thing you can really change is yourself, right? So it's, it's more of a matter of being a role model, being an example Hope, hoping that people you care about will look one day and say, hey, I noticed you've been doing this, you know, talk to me about it. Like, that's all we can do. And then other than that, we just have to look out for ourselves in that and just understand that as much as we want somebody to change, it's not going to happen. And you're simply throwing gasoline on the fire instead of water. So think about that. And I hope that helps. And now let me thank 
the overhead door company of Daytona Beach, the area's best garage doors and the area's best service. I personally vouch for Jeff and Zach Hawk, credible human beings. And again, they have the best company for garage doors. So check them out at overheaddoordaytona.com. Until next time, be max fit, be max wealth.